your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back, Ranger fans and Buffalo Sabres fans. we got a special crossover episode for you guys today. This is John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers, joined by Joe DiBiazzi of Locked On Buffalo Sabres. Joe, how are we doing today, buddy? John, pretty good, man. How are you doing? Uh, you know, other than the fact that the Rangers are 1-4-1, and I guess I'm doing all right. But that was a tough game last night. Rangers just never really found their fifth gear. And uh, congratulations on the win. Uh, what did you think of the performance last night uh, from the Sabres' point of view? I thought that through the first two periods, they looked like what they had really looked like since their opening night game. The Sabres have been, the record didn't look good. It was 2-3-1 and one going into that game, but they had really been outplaying everybody. They had been controlling puck possession. They had a greater chance of a high danger scoring chances than all of their opponents. So they really had been controlling play for five, six games in a row. And then the Rangers come into town and they've been struggling a little bit, at least in terms of their record, getting some saves in net. So for the first two periods, I thought that it went the way I thought it would. I do think, though, that third period, like the Sabres, man, they, for better, lack of better phrase, they parked the bus. (laughs) And, you know, you do see NHL teams do that a lot. So it's not the first time that's happened. But I, I was a little surprised that they got out of there without the Rangers at least pushing it to overtime. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of what you said about the Sabres and what's happened with them so far this season, I feel like I could almost just copy and paste it and just say pretty much the same thing about the Rangers because I did not like the Rangers game last night. Like I said, it just felt like they never really kicked it into fifth gear. I thought the effort was lacking a little bit. But coming into that game last night, the Rangers had lost their last three games. One of them was in overtime, but for all intents and purposes, it's still a three-game losing streak. And I felt like in all those games, the first one against the Devils and then the next two against the Penguins, I thought like the Rangers were the better team on the ice every single night. You know, I saw a team that was spending more time on the attack, creating more high-dangerous scoring chances, winning puck battles, just you know playing well on mm-hmm. special teams and staying out of the penalty box. That's something that's been a major problem for the Rangers since the beginning of last season. But playing disciplined hockey, staying out of the box, and just mm-hmm. not getting rewarded for it. You know, the one game against Pittsburgh goes into overtime. Filipino puts one off the post, and, and the puck stays out. And it's just, you know, when it rains, it pours. And, and one thing that I was kind of afraid of going into this last night's game was, you know, at what time, the Rangers are a young team, so at what point do they start to kind of hang their heads a little bit and get discouraged? Like, man, you know, we're out playing these teams, and we're not mm-hmm. getting rewarded for it. And I, I think that's what we saw last night. You know, the Rangers just could not find that fifth gear, and I thought yep. the Sabres were clearly the better team. And, and you know, probably... I would say the the final score was actually um, made it sound closer than maybe it actually was. Yeah, there there was a big variance in where that game could have gone because right, like the Sabers could have been out with a three goal lead. I felt like going yeah. into the third period, but then again, the third period, I thought the Rangers had gr- plenty of chances, especially with that power play at the end to tie the game. Yeah, watching some of the Rangers this year, I think I would echo what you said. Like they are young, and maybe there's some jitters there with Lafreniere and even Kako in his second year. Like there might be some of that going on, but I still think that team is talented. But the problem is that I think both the Sabres, the Rangers, maybe the Devils too. I know they actually sit above both of them in the standings, although they're expected to drop down, I would think, just on the lack of depth on that roster. But really those three teams in particular, and throw the Islanders in if you want, you can't have a slow start to this season given how strong – 
this division is. Now, maybe, and I wonder your thoughts on what you've seen from the division. Going into the year, I thought it was impossible. I didn't think the, I thought the Sabres <laughs> were actually going to be an improved team. Eric Stahl kind of, you know, at least holding down the fort to have a respectable second line center for a year. Um, bringing in Taylor Hall, that would be an increase in scoring. Like there would be some improvement on the Sabres team, but I did not think we were going to see it in the standings just because of how much stronger their division got. I mean, for Buffalo, for instance, I know the Rangers are in mostly the same division. The Sabres lose like Ottawa and Detroit, which were easy teams yep. that you could walk over. And I don't know if there's any team like that in this division. So basically the, the, my, my overall point here is I don't think you can get off to a slow start in this division because, you know, Washington, Boston, Philly, and even Pittsburgh, even though they're showing, they're showing some chinks in the armor. They're still three of those four teams. I would expect to uh, be in playoff spots at the end. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I did a crossover episode not too long ago with Hunter Hodes of locked on penguins and Hunter does a great job with his show as well. But we had, uh, conversation about basically the same topic this division is absolutely stacked and to your point joe you know you really can't afford to get off to a bad start here you're going to find yourself dead and buried before the season even really gets going and i mean you look at you know all eight teams in this division and like you said even the teams that you might think going into the season would be at or near the bottom of the division like the devils and the sabers those teams have gotten better you know the sabers made a couple of offseason moves brought in you know eric stall and uh taylor hall and not to mention Dylan Cousins, you know, I mean, he's, he's yeah. off to a nice start for you guys as well. And then, you know, you look at the top of this division and the Bruins, Penguins and Capitals, none of those teams ever miss the playoffs. And that's three out of the four right. spots right there. I mean, not to say it's impossible that, you know, it, it's out of the question that one of those teams could miss the playoffs. But it's also a situation where I'll believe it when I see it. And I think they're all still really good teams. Uh, to your mm-hmm. point, the Penguins showing a couple of chinks in the armor, but I still think they're the Penguins. You know, they still got that core intact there. Right. And. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. I mean, I think for both of our teams, and especially at this point now, the Rangers, that they only have one win in their first six. I mean, it's going to be a tremendous uphill battle to make the playoffs. And anybody who makes the playoffs in this division, it's a heck of an accomplishment just to get there. Yeah, definitely. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors. And unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. And and like what is the – I would imagine like the Rangers seem to be on a different – uh, point in their trajectory, at least. I, I don't know if you would even call what they did a rebuild. They did just kind of get a little lucky landing in the lottery <laughs> the last two years, but it results 
in a really good spot to have a good young core, I think, from the outside looking in of, you know, if Lafreniere turns out to be a stud and Capo Caco ends up turning things around, it's, it's only one year in, you know, he maybe shouldn't even been in the league last year. And then Igor Shesterkin and Net, like there's a nice solid core of youth there that I don't think the Rangers are under as much pressure to make the playoffs this year as I would say the Sabres are, given that, like, even though this team has not been good, we're you're going on a league-long nine-year playoff drought Fans are getting restless. Your captain could be getting restless. And yeah. you added a bunch of veteran players on one-year contracts. Eric Stahl's on a one-year deal. Hall is on a right. one-year deal. Uh, guys that you brought back, like Sam Reinhart's on a one-year deal. Uh, Vic, uh, Brandon Montour is on a one-year deal. Both of your goalies are on one-year deal. So, like, you know, <laughs> this they're almost in win-now mode, which is yeah. strange to yeah. say for a team that has just not been good. Yeah, no, I, I was actually going to ask you the same thing. I mean, it almost seems like the Sabres feel like they're in this one-year window where they just have to make it happen. And, you yeah. know, with the Rangers, I mean, I feel like they are still laying the foundation a little bit. I mean, coming into the season, could I have seen them competing for a playoff spot? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how far they would go in the playoffs. I mean, I would never go into a season and completely rule out my team winning the Stanley Cup. But Ranger fans that are, you know, saying, oh, we're going to win the Cup this year, I'd say pump the brakes a little bit. You know, I'd say that even coming into the season, not to mention the slow start that they've gotten off to here. But uh, yeah, with the Sabres, it, it's so weird because it almost feels like like they're desperate to like end this playoff drought. It almost seems yeah. like they they just want to put their best foot forward and just do everything they can to at least get into the playoffs this year. And it's kind of interesting because if the trade deadline rolls around and the Sabres are kind of like a fringe playoff team, you know, maybe just barely in or maybe just barely out, they're mm-hmm. kind of in a tough spot because, you know, do you trade Eric Stahl? Do you trade... Um, Taylor Hall, Hall, yeah, and 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 for prospects, or do you say no? You know what? We're going to go for it. We're going to push forward with these guys. And then, what if you miss the playoffs and those guys walk in free agency? I mean, that wouldn't be good either. So it, they're in a very interesting spot over there it, for sure. It's a very unique dynamic that what they have right now because you've got. I think you have to prove. And again, when I say this, there's nothing tangible to this point that would make anyone think that Jack Eichel behind the scenes has asked for. You know, like a timeline uh, that like, hey, we need to be good by this point or I want out. But it is also natural to wonder about a kid that grew up in Boston, Massachusetts as a (laughs) Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics fan. He's on the best hockey team every year of his life growing up, gets to Boston University. They're the best team in the country. Then he gets to the Sabres and it's five years in and they've really yet to play a meaningful game. It's not even that they've missed the playoffs five years in a row with him on the team. It's that they really haven't even been in a playoff race down the stretch and they have been out of it by the deadline. So you know what? <clears throat> on paper, I think it makes more sense to, or it would make sense to move a Taylor Hall that you don't think you might be able to keep around when you could get a first round pick plus like he went for last year at the deadline to Arizona. But in this specific circumstance, I don't know if the Sabres can afford to do that in that. Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't even need the playoffs for this point. I think if you could just get Jack Eichel and this team, excuse me, this team into a playoff race and have some meaningful games down the stretch, that will be looked at as progress. And I think the overall team morale um, will be improved just by doing that. So again, like I, I'm not Mister, you know, care about the players' attitudes as much when I could get a first round pick plus. For a guy I might not be able to keep, but I think in this circumstance, I don't think they move them if they're close at all. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, I guess T 
to a certain extent, you got to try to keep Jack Eichel happier because it feels Basically. like to me, you know, as an outsider looking in, it feels like, and you know, who knows how much truth there is to these rumors, but I feel like his name comes up in trade talk like once every four, five, six weeks, something like that. And, yeah. you know, you got to make this a place where Jack Eichel wants to be. And I think, you know, for all those reasons you just said, I think you made some excellent points there. I think, unless they're buried in the standings and they have virtually no chance of making the playoffs, right. I think you'll see Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl on this team uh, at least to the end of the season. And then who knows? You know, maybe they can convince one or both of them to stick around uh, in the following season, depending on how they do. Yeah, I do too. And and Hall was like the one-year deal was the Sabres were driving for that as much as Hall was. So if, if he he might actually even be interest, more interested in a long-term deal um, than we think, just that the Sabres, again, were pushing for a one-year deal uh, in free agency, given that it was a higher cap number. So, I you know, it might not matter um, if he gives them an indicator like, hey, I do want to stick around long-term, then, then that could come to fruition on its own. Uh, my question for you on the Rangers is watching them last night. It feels like the only player on the blue line that I feel like I'm getting any consistency out of maybe two Adam Fox and Jacob Truba to me are real nice defensemen. Fox, especially like I'm very impressed with him through two years in the league, but would you say the biggest weakness on the Rangers right now is their blue line? Because just looking at the roster like that, that was the first thing that stood out to me. You know, it's funny, coming into the season, I think I would have said that, and certainly there's some issues with depth on the blue line, but overall, I think the biggest problem right now is their top guys just are not finishing their scoring opportunities, and, and coming into the season, I would not have thought that to be the case at all. Uh, to your point, you know, Adam Fox, uh, he's obviously an outstanding player. I think he should have at least been a, a finalist for the Rookie of the Year last year, not necessarily mm-hmm. the winner, but at least a finalist. He's been fantastic, and Keandre Miller, he's really burst onto the scene this year. He really going into training camp was not even expected to make the team, but they put him out there on the opening night roster. He had a shaky night on opening night, looked really nervous, not too surprising considering that he's a rookie, but he's been fantastic since then. Uh, got his first goal last night, but he's been great in all the games. You know, he went toe to toe with Sidney Crosby behind the Ranger net in the most recent game against the Penguins, knocked him off the puck, took the puck away from him. That's just one example, but he's been fantastic. And uh, Truba, you know, a little bit of a mixed bag. I think overall he has been good. Ranger fans uh, do get on him every now and then because he does have such a big contract. But he did have a little bit of a miscue last night, uh, if you notice, that the puck kind of, the Rangers, it it was, yeah, there's the tail end of a power play. And uh, he was along the boards. And the puck kind of just jumped over his stick, which on one hand, you know, bad bounce. But on the other hand, you know, at least get a piece of it, at least knock it down and and not allow that, not allow the Sabres to go the other way there for what was basically a shorthanded goal. I think technically the power play ran out, but I thought that was a huge sequence in the game last night. Uh, what was your take on that play? Yeah, I, I think fumbling the puck in that spot, I definitely remember noticing that. And he, I will say he's not, you know, it's his bread and butter wouldn't be like puck moving defenseman. Like he is, I think, better at that. Um, that people think, at least from the time I spent watching him in, in Winnipeg the last four or five years. But, you know, isn't he's supposed to be more of like a big physical defenseman, right? That's just going to like make sure no one's standing in front of the net. And again, he is not just like a dinosaur that can only do that. Like some of the, like some of these defensemen that are being phased out of the game. But right. I, I still, I like Truba as a player, but I think that's also natural. Like we've gone through this with a billion different players in Buffalo. It's like if you trade something valuable for him and then he gets a big contract, your expectations are through the roof. Wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Are we ready for some football? The Super Bowl is right around the corner, and there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. Bet Online. 
betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner by going on Twitter and going to at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Once again, that is promo code locked on in all caps and you will get your sign up bonus. Hashtag betonline. 2020 is mercifully over. It is time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. I want to ask you about this as well. You know, we're obviously early in the young season. Sabres now 3-3-1, and so they're seven games into the season. Rangers are six games into the season. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone on the Sabres who you feel is kind of overachieved so far this season, maybe giving you guys a little bit more than you were expecting? Yeah, absolutely. It is Rasmus Ristolainen. I mean, he actually played his 500th game in the NHL last night, which is kind of incredible considering that he is still only just turned 26 years old. So like he's on pace to get to a thousand games by the time he's 30. And throughout that enormous sample size we have of Ristolainen, he has always been a very poor player in his own end, at least in terms of getting the puck out. It's a lot of turnovers from him. It's a lot of minutes, but usually like the, the story on him for years has been, we might need to trade him just because every coach that comes in keeps playing him 25 minutes a night. And really, in an ideal situation for him, he's playing 19 minutes on a second pair, and the Sabres have been relying on him as a number one defenseman. He's just not a good enough puck mover to be that. And this year, it's only seven games, and I would still side with the 493-game sample size from before than the seven-game sample size this year. But so far this year, he has really been like a top-pair-looking defenseman for the first time that I can really remember. Now, again, I don't think that's sustainable because we've seen enough of him that it's going to come back down to earth, I think, at some point. But a big reason right now that the Sabres are actually allowing less high-danger scoring chances than anyone in hockey right now is that their top pair of Jake McCabe and Rasmus Ristolainen is completely overachieving. And maybe they could do it for a whole 56-game season. If they do, I think that they have a a decent shot at making the playoffs. Um, But again, I'll believe it when I see it because... Ristolainen, like he's he's a fun player to watch. Like he's so polarizing because he could do. It looks like he could do everything. He's big. He like you can't take him down. Like you try to hit Ristolainen and he just puts you down. Like he's got an enormous shot. Like he's got all the physical tools in in the bag that you would want. But he always just has problems putting it together. So I don't know. Yeah. I think he would be my first name, obviously, to get to for that I, I don't know is there a guy on the rangers like that because the record would indicate to me that maybe they don't have many guys overachieving i mean they do have a few the problem is it's all kind of depth players it seems like you know it's always it's a bunch of guys on the bottom six you, know, yeah. you could look at like a guy like philip Giuseppe. he was a healthy scratch on opening night he was all the way up to the second line last night and he's played very well uh you don't really expect him to contribute offensively but he actually has four assists so far this season but he's a guy you know just gonna play his tail off play every mm-hmm. shift like it's last you, you really like a player like that so I mean, I could throw him out there. 
I could throw Philip Heedle out there, although he just got injured in this last mm-hmm. game against the Penguins. And that is a devastating loss because you have so many of the Rangers, you know, top guns struggling to put the puck in the net. And he's somebody that was overachieving. And the Rangers are very thin at center. And their top two centers, Mika Zibanejad and Ryan Strom, are both off to d- tough starts this season. So yeah. for that to happen to Philip Heedle, I mean, I can't even put into words how much of a killer that is for this team right now. But, you yeah. know, if I, if, I had to, if I had to pick one guy, I'd say maybe Pavel Buchnevich because he's somebody who's kind of been polarizing among Ranger fans. He mostly played last season on the top line with uh, Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, but he's always battled inconsistency. Uh, he really came on strong mm-hmm. down the stretch last season, something like 21 points in his last 21 games. Uh, but, you know, this it seems like he's finally starting to put it all together. And it's funny because they actually moved him away from that top line with Mika and Kreider. But Mika and Kreider are struggling so bad right now that they put him back up there with them last night. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of Ranger fans would have seen him as kind of the weak link of that line last season. And now this year, you're kind of relying on him to try to get those two guys going a little bit. So it's been interesting yeah. to watch Pavel Buchnevich. He's, he's really starting to come into his own, I think. And then I'm going to ask a selfish, selfish question because I actually <laughs> do have a bet on Igor Shesterkin to win the Calder that I made before the season. And it's only four games, but from what I've read and the little I've seen of him so far, it looks like he's off to a shaky start. Yeah, he is. Uh, there's There were a couple fluky goals. I mean, he only played – oh, no, he played both games against the Penguins. But there were a couple fluky goals. You know, there was a play where uh, – Jared McCann, of all people, you know, just kind of throws the puck from along the boards and it just kind of flutters over his shoulder and into the net. And then the uh, the game winning goal in the second game against Pittsburgh was scored by Jake Gensel. And, you know, Gensel was in decent real estate. He was kind of in the high slot, but he didn't get all of his shot and it just went right through the five holes. So you were definitely off to a little bit of a shaky mm-hmm. start here. And I think uh, early in the season, the Rangers kind of going to go with a little bit of a timeshare with him and Georgiev and see who kind of claims the starting job down the stretch. Um, that's yeah. going to be definitely interesting to watch, but you know, the Rangers right now, you know, obviously they're struggling and, and last night was a tremendous struggle. I'm just really hoping that at some point, maybe even as soon as Thursday night here against the Sabres again, one of these goalies can steal a game from the Rangers because that hasn't happened yet either. You know, where, you know, maybe the Rangers get outplayed in a certain game, but the goalie just stands on his head and they, they just squeak by with a two to one win, despite being outplayed by the Sabres or whoever it might be. So, you know, They've both, I wouldn't say it's been a disaster for either goalie, but neither goalie has really impressed me that much. Although I think Georgiev was pretty good last night. I think he made a couple of saves in the first period that, uh, you know, kept the game tied uh, at 1-1 for a while there. I'm not giving up on that Shesterkin bet, by the way, just yet. No, no, absolutely not. Like a two-month stretch last season where he actually might, if he stayed healthy, he might have been in the running for it last year. Had he maybe, like if he, if that season had continued and he stayed healthy, I don't know, like they were climbing back into that playoff race almost on his back, it seemed like. But at the same time, like even if he does that again this year, I don't know if anyone has taken down Kirill Kaprizov because in Minnesota right now, he is like, like he he made, did you see that play he made the other night? He almost scored like between his legs, like flying down the wing. Like, oh my, Uh, like there's some stuff he's doing in Minnesota that, in Minnesota, and he's at a point of game where I don't even, I don't even know if it matters, but Shisterkin does at this point for that at least. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it might be tough to beat him for for Rookie of the Year. But, you know, we're talking about the goalies. I figure I might as well ask you about the Sabres goalies as well. Omark, you know, had a pretty good game last night, although I would argue that maybe he wasn't tested by the Rangers all that often. But, I mean, it seems Mm -hmm. like him and Hutton are both off to pretty good starts for you guys. Do you prefer one or the other? And do you think there's a chance that the Sabres re-sign either guy after the season kind of go forward? Like, okay, Hutton's going to be the man or Omark's going to be the man. I I think for both of those, it is absolutely Linus Olmark. Hutton last year was just, I mean, really a big reason why they fell out 
of the playoff race. Like they were in it until about January. And then Linus Allmark goes down with an injury and Hutton, man, he couldn't even give you replacement level production uh, out of goal. And you know what, like coming into this year. Yeah. Like he had a very bad opening night against Washington. And then his next two performances were pretty good. They were steady, but this net should be Linus Allmark's. He is the younger of the two by a lot. Still only, I think 26 years old, 27 years old. So there might still be some upside there from him. Uh, that maybe he could be a number one goalie consistently in the NHL. He was on his way to doing that, by the way, last year. Like through January when he got hurt, he was looking like a a good starting goalie. He was seventh in the NHL in five-on-five save percentage, and he was 16th in the league in adjusted save percentage. He basically just couldn't stop anything, you know, when the Sabres were shorthanded. So that was part their penalty kill more so than his fault. Um, But again, seventh in the NHL in five-on-five save percentage. He's 26 years old. Versus a 30-plus-year-old backup that has kind of been a journeyman in the league. To me, it should be easy which guy you're playing more. Because one, Allmark's been more consistent in the last two years. And two, you're trying to find something out about him that you don't really need to find anything out about Carter Hutton. So to me, it needs to be Allmark. And the other thing about the Sabres team, especially in this division, which, by the way, if we look at the goaltending around the division right now, who would say that they are completely satisfied? with what they have in net Boston would with Rask, even Philadelphia has not got a strong start from Carter Hart. Pittsburgh has not got a strong start from Tristan Jari. Um, Jersey with Mackenzie Blackwood would maybe be the other one. He's been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And the Islanders with Varlamov, but again, Mackenzie Blackwood and Semyon Varlamov, like these are not Vesna winning goalies that you, you would bet on doing it for the whole season. They absolutely could. But right now, like Washington is struggling Philly, I mentioned, is struggling. The Rangers, you said, were a little inconsistent. The Sabres were inconsistent, at least with Hutton. So I think one of the paths the Sabres team could have towards making the playoffs is getting a career season out of one of your goalies. And that's only going to happen with Linus Allmark. So to me, it has to be Allmark. And again, like you're trying to find out if you want to sign him for the future. So it's easy for me. I I would almost be playing him. It's so tough this year, right? Like you want, even if you want a guy to play like a big majority of the games, everything's like there's so many back to backs, you know, and the the Mm. schedule is so, you know, packed close together that I don't even know because of the schedule, if you can play a guy, you know, 40 of 56, if you wanted to do it. Yeah. I mean, goalies to me, you know, it's always an X factor. I always say, you know, all it takes to go on a strong playoff run is to get a hot goalie. You know, they can steal games for you. And and, you know, in this division, like you just said, it, as good as this division is, and it's something that I hadn't really thought of before, uh, there is a little bit of uncertainty with a lot of these teams with their goalie situation. And to your point, a, a team that could really uh, make a move here and really climb the standings fast is a team yeah. that starts to get some stellar play out of their goalie or goalies. And if we could revisit Pittsburgh for a second, because I know we mentioned them at the beginning of, of the show, like those four teams that are currently sitting in playoff spots, Washington, Boston, Philly, and Pittsburgh, the biggest reason I think Pittsburgh to me would be the most vulnerable is like, yes, they still have that core together of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, but they have always gotten like at least decent goaltending, yep. whether it be from Marc-Andre Fleury or Matt Murray. And I think Tristan Jari is certainly capable of that because he did do it last year, but he's only he had only played done it for like a 30-game sample size in the NHL. So I think they would have to be the most vulnerable of the teams currently in spots just because I don't know what they are in net night to night. I hear you, man. And, you know, it's funny because Penguin fans at times would get on Marc-Andre Fleury, and I sort of get why he can be a little bit inconsistent. He can be a little bit up and down. But, you know, for Penguin fans that, that you know, couldn't wait to run Murray at a, or uh, Fleury out of town, yeah. 
you know, I, I would just play the last couple seconds of that game seven against the Detroit Red Wings and be like, <laughs> really? You, you know, th- this you can't wait to get rid of this guy. Flurry, real quick, just Flurry's down year was like an average season among NHL goalies. If you get a, yeah. a, a a down season from Tristan Jari, you could have the worst starting goalie in hockey. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I, I totally agree. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about it's something that I haven't really talked about on my show all that much. In fact, I don't even know if I've mentioned it yet. But mm-hmm. uh, the Pierre Luc Dubois trade situation. I never really thought the Rangers were serious players, but every now and then I would see, uh, you know, their name pop up. In yep. trade discussion, I mean, granted, half the teams in the NHL, their name would pop up when it came to Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think the Sabres were one of them. Uh, do you Did you want the Sabres to go after him? Was it ever a realistic possibility? I mean, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Uh, they were reportedly interested. Pierre Lebrun listed like 12 teams that had yep. inquired about him, and the Sabres were on that list. I don't think they ever got, you know, as close as even like there were teams outside of Winnipeg that it sounded like were in it right to the very end. The Anaheim Ducks it sounded like they were trying to make a push uh, down the stretch to get Dubois. So I don't think the Sabres reached that far for this, but they were definitely interested. I, I I liked the idea. It wasn't necessarily my favorite, but I did like it because it is a position of weakness in the Sabres organization in that like right now their setup is, to me, I almost compare it to the NFL in that in the NFL, a lot of times you see like bridge quarterbacks. You see a veteran quarterback that starts the year for a team at quarterback waiting for that highly drafted rookie to eventually take over. That's kind of how I think of the Sabres right now. Eric Stahl is kind of their bridge number two center at 36 years old. And we're just waiting for Dylan cousins to get his feet wet in the NHL. And then they eventually think he's comfortable enough to get to center. And then he'll, you would think eventually become that number two center, but he is still a prospect and there is still, you don't want to put all your chips down. I think on a 19 year old because Two years ago, they did that by trading Ryan O'Reilly, and they entrusted the number two center spot with Casey Middlestad, who at the time was thought of as one of the best prospects in hockey. He completely flamed out, and oh, look, now you don't have anything in terms of a second-line center. So he would have been incredible insurance towards making sure you have two great centers going forward. And hey, if Cousins works out to be great, now I have three, or I could put one of them on the wing, and like that's an easier transition than having to put a winger over to to center. So for those reasons, I was interested in it, but that was also before I saw the price tag. I thought Columbus had no leverage and I'm stunned that they got what they got because yeah. the, I don't know how the blue jackets had leverage. They, everyone knew they had to trade him. He had asked for a trade. He only had one more year in his contract after this year. And it was, it became evident that game last week where John Tortorella benched him for not giving an effort it was evident now that they weren't going to be able to even put him on the ice. So for, for the price tag to be Patrick Line and then plus a really nice underutilized player that I like out of Winnipeg and Jas- Jack Roslovich, yeah. I, I, was, I wasn't willing, I wouldn't have wanted the Sabres to, to match that. And I don't even know if they have, they would have had anything to match that. They don't really have a Patrick Line on the wing. I guess Taylor Hall would have been it. Yeah, I mean, I think for the Rangers, it's kind of the same situation. I just think the price would have been too high. And uh, I'm wondering, you know, maybe the reason why Columbus got as much as they did is despite it being obvious that they were going to have to trade him, there were, I mean, still a very young, very talented player. So there's still going to be a lot of suitors for him. Yes. But but another reason why I was out on him was that very game that you mentioned, that last game uh, that he played where he got benched for the second and third periods, only got like four minutes of ice time. Uh, just a complete lack of effort, complete lack of compete yep. level. And I realized, you know, maybe he's been stifled a little bit by playing in a Columbus system that maybe doesn't really match his skill set. But 
I don't know, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not really that big on somebody who's not going to go out there and, and lay it all on the line for his teammates. I mean, that, that's really big for me. I got to see the effort from guys. So once that happened, and when you consider the price tag as well, I was like, you know what? Let somebody else trade for this guy. Yeah, that, that I do agree with. I almost feel like Dubois probably, like that gets said, I think, a lot because it's right that like it's just that's a pathetic job on yeah. that shift that got him benched but like like duba is probably sitting there like oh it worked because i was trying yeah. to trade it and it didn't seem like anything was moving that quickly then i did that and boom i got i got moved so yeah. i almost wish columbus just hang hung on to him and just let him sit out for a month just to like show that that's not going to you know that's not going to get you out of here. That's not the way it's going to, it's going to work, but you know what? Like both sides moved on. I, I, I want to ask you one more quick question on that. And it's less yeah, yeah. on Dubois and it's more on Columbus. Like, I, I don't know. Like this is becoming a habit that they just can't keep star players. It starts way back really when Tortorella first got there, when Ryan Johansson held out and he asked for a trade out to, and then he gets eventually sent to Nashville. Uh, Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky are a little bit of a different situation because they were free agents, but they still end up leaving. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois now wanted out too. So I don't know, like, is there a, I feel like there could be Columbus more than anybody might just have be the team that has issues keeping their stars in the, in the national hockey league. Yeah, I feel like with them, and I, I can speak to this a little bit because obviously John Tortorella used to be the coach of the Rangers, but he's yes. just so focused on defense and he wants these tough, grinded out players. I mean, Nick Felino was born to be the captain of a John Tortorella <laughs> team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like it's like Tortorella, he wants to have like two third lines and two fourth lines and win that way. And to be fair, I mean, he's done more with less during his time in Columbus. It seems like they always find a way into the playoffs despite not having that many star players. But at a certain point, like, you got to score some goals, too. Like, I, right. I know the focus, you want your focus to be on defense, but you got to have some guys who can put the puck in the net. And, yeah, for whatever reason, um, it seems like he either clashes with the star player or, at the very least, can't get the most out of them, can't really let them spread their right. wings and, and create scoring opportunities the way that we know that they're capable of doing, like somebody like Dubois. Right. You know? Yeah, that's where I'm at too. I think I, I I'm not saying they need to change the coach or anything, but if another year or two of this goes on, they're eventually not going to be able to score, and then it's not going to matter. He's going to be out of a job just because they they have no one that can score goals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you know, I figure we can wrap up. This has been a ton of fun, Joe, but I figure we can yep. wrap up with uh, some predictions for tomorrow night's game. Uh, do you have a final score? Anybody that's going to get on the score sheet for Buffalo or anything like that? I, I think it's going to go roughly the same way. If, if, I, if you maybe pick a score, I'd probably go same thing as last night, three to two. Um, I, I think the, in favor of the Sabres. It's just, it's hard to pick against them right now and that watching them up close, again, they have really been the better team, I think, six games in a row. So they did get the benefit of playing Washington when Washington didn't have Ovechkin and Orlov and even their goalie Samsonov and Kuznetsov, but they still did outplay him, I think, in those games. So I, I think it'll be a super close game. Maybe I would actually probably pick that in overtime, given that I think the gap between these two teams right now is closer than what the four-point difference is in the standings. But I'll yeah. go 3-2 Buffalo. Yeah, I'll say 3-2 Rangers. I mean, at a certain point, you know, you just have to come out and play with some desperation. And like I said, I think the Rangers had been playing some good hockey before last night's game, but I'm sure they caught an earful, you know, from the coach and everybody else. I just want to see more fire out of this team. You know, I want to see somebody at the end of one of these games that you lose. Somebody please get pissed off and, like, break your stick over the boards or something. Like, I just <laughs> saw 
kind of a lack of fire last night. And I, I think the Rangers will do better with that. I think they probably, like I said, they probably caught a tongue lashing from David Quinn after the game. And I, I think you'll see a much better effort. And I, you know, the Sabres are playing well. I think it's going to be close. I think the Rangers finally find a way to win one of these close games and, and sneak away with a three to two win, uh, leaving Buffalo tomorrow night. All right. I like it. Yeah. It's a lot, again, it's a ton of fun, Joe. And uh, we will definitely have to do this again uh, at some point later this season. Yes, definitely. Thanks a lot, John.